When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Having a crappy week? Well, hang in there because we are back with your favorite Avatar The Last Airbender rewatch podcast. I'm one of your hosts, Zach Mohammed, and as always, I'm joined by my good friend, Jacob Redmond. Jacob, how are you doing on this Saturday night? I'm doing well. We're back with another late night Saturday record, so who knows? This might go <laughs> off the rails, but if it does, don't worry. Mr. Healing Hands himself is here to make it all better. <laughs> Oh, nice, nice. Mr. Healing Hands. Can you heal me with those hands? Uh, heal my No, Mr. Healing Hands is just a scam. Anyone who calls himself Healing Hands is, like, obviously, obviously scamming you. So, I I don't know too much about uh, calling yourself Healing Hands, but I'll try. All right. You know, for a nominal fee, uh, I, I, could, I could try. <laughs> All right. Well, we're here to talk about Season 3, Episode 10, the first part of the Eclipse our Day of Black Sun Part 1, The Evasion. Invasion. Oh, my. Long I just name. butchered that whole title. <laughs> oh, uh, we are off to a great start. Yeah, that's it's a long name. It's a meaty, a meaty name. The Day of Black Sun Part 1, The Invasion. Yeah, it's quite a lot. Um, yeah. We're, we're here alone this week. Uh, we've had a great string of guests uh, recently. Lots of great guests in Season 3. But here we are uh, by ourselves to go through this one. Uh, excited to see what rabbit holes we jump into, Zach, because I got to say, this episode's mostly set up. There's not a ton going on in the episode itself. Yeah, it's mostly exposition for the next episode, which makes sense. It's a two-parter. We could have talked about both parts in one episode, but I'm kind of glad we're doing it the way we're doing it, talking about it in two chunks. I kind of think that's the better way to approach it. So Yeah, I mean, it it's not like nothing goes on uh, in this. Like there, There's stuff that's happening, but I, I would say, you know, it is mostly set up. I saw the movie Dune recently. Have you seen uh, mm-hmm. any trailers for that movie? I've seen a couple of trailers. Haven't seen the movie. Uh, I would say that movie mostly set up. Uh, I won't <laughs> spoil anything about it, but I was pretty underwhelmed by the movie. Uh, yeah, I, I think uh, a lot of the things that like in this a- episode of Avatar, which like weren't annoying, but maybe like not as uh, not as good. Like just a lot of setup, a lot of characters coming back. Uh, might have been the the fault of Dune as well. So there you go. Movie hot take uh, coming at you. Um, but yeah, what were your thoughts overall in the episode, Zach? Was this like an episode, like, did you remember the day of Black Sun? Is this like something that, that was like, you know, top of mind uh, when you're doing a rewatch? I remember it, but then I kind of always associate it with the second part as well. So I kind of, in my head, those two are always intertwined. 
I didn't have too many thoughts about this episode by itself as a whole, but it's a solid episode. It's nice to see like all the cast of characters coming back, like Haru's back, Tyro, the starting power forward on our <laughs> basketball team that we did once upon a time. Yep. We have Do and Tho, the swamp benders. So yeah, it's nice to see this pip squeak of, of course, it's pip squeak. I'm back, everybody. So it's nice. We have like all the returnees coming here. Yeah, yeah. It, it's like a returnee season almost, uh, like of a reality TV. <laughs> show we get like all the good characters they all come back for like their their like uh you know 15 seconds of screen time uh we actually got this question and uh, we should do this as like we get into the episode but we should do like either a draft or a ranking of all the people uh like who we who we would want on our invasion squad um, sure you want to do that now uh maybe we can wait like until we've at least introduced all of them like when uh like essentially like when Saki gives a speech we'll do the ranking we'll do it then Sure, right. let's do it up. Um, anyway, yeah, th- this is like an episode, lots of setup, but uh, lots of good stuff along the way. So excited to see what type of stuff we get into while talking through this episode. Uh, anything else yeah, before I'll we work. jump right in? No, let's dive right into it. Why not? All right, dive. Uh, yeah, I'm not really good at diving. I'm more of a cannonball person. Um, I'm good at neither. I can't yeah. swim, yeah. so... <laughs> Yeah, uh, I uh, I could have I could have guessed that that would have uh, been the response. But anyway, we're here to talk about <laughs> season three, episode ten. It's actually the fiftieth episode of Avatar. I saw that on the wiki uh, when I was looking for something earlier today. But this is episode uh, the fiftieth episode of uh, Avatar, so that's fun. I know that oh, we've wow. done more than fifty episodes of the podcast, but cool to see that we're uh, that far in. Yeah, we're breaking milestones all all over the place. Yeah, crushing it. Uh, anyway, so this episode starts off, uh, you know, not too far after the last episode does. Uh, Aang is waking up after a beautiful night of sleep, and he is so cheerful. I'm not sure the last time I've woken up that uh, that excited, that happy. And, you know, like, I'm not sure if you've ever heard this before, but people always tell me that you actually don't sleep for the day that you're going to have, but you sleep for the next two days. So it's not like... Like, you're not tired based on the sleep you had last night. You're tired based on the sleep you had two nights ago. Have you ever heard this, Zach? I've never heard this, but that's interesting. I just had my first good night of sleep in a while recently, this past night. So, the Saturday morning, I had a good, I woke up fresh like Aang. So, yeah, I hope Sunday and Monday while I'm working, I hope (laughs) I'm well rested. So, hopefully that age-old adage is true. Yeah, if this random thing that I remember someone telling me once is to be believed, (laughs) then you will have a great Sunday. So, there you go. Uh, but anyway, nice. Aang, uh, Aang's really a uh, little chipper uh, this morning. I'm, I'm never chipper in the morning. It takes me quite a long time to wake up. But Aang uh, was sleeping on the right side of the bed. He uses the expression that he slept like a baby moose lion. Now, I get that like slept like a baby is an expression, which I've always found weird because babies don't actually sleep that well. They wake up all through the night. They whine quite a bit. But I can't imagine that a baby moose lion sleeps very well either. I don't know. I could see a baby moose lion just being a very sound sleeper. Why not? Hmm. What if, because like a lot of animals like hibernate and stuff. So I feel like they probably sleep better than human babies. Because I agree with you. That phrase is weird because human babies don't sleep well at all. They're always waking up crying. So see, I just can't imagine a moose sleeping. Like I've only seen a moose standing. <laughs> and like, I, I'm not even sure like I can picture a moose sitting down. Like, I don't know how its legs fold. I Like, 
I assume it doesn't sleep standing up. But yeah, I don't know. <laughs> they never show that I've in the nature thought- documentaries. True, they never show the moose sleeping. It's mm-hmm. always like the moose being hunted. Yeah, or like jumping. I've seen some... Uh, I keep wanting to call them meese. That's not right. <laughs> it's not right to call them meese. Uh, the English language the is joke. so hard. Uh, the plural of moose being meese. That's all, that joke always cracks me up. I, I'm not joking. Like I've had to stop myself like three <laughs> different times from saying meese, but... Uh, anyway, the moose, not meese, uh, never seen it sleeping, couldn't picture it, uh, but whatever. Aang, well-rested, ready to take down the Fire Lord. Toph's like, oh yeah, you're gonna hit him with a little Avatar State action. And, uh, this has to be a touchy subject. Like, if we gave negative points to people, negative points here to Toph, you can't be calling this out. Like, you have to know the details already. I get this is more for the audience to know, like, you know, hey, refresher, he can't go into the Avatar state. But, like, Toph, a little insensitive here. Uh, am I off base here, Zach? Uh, the way she worded it, it seems like she genuinely didn't know he couldn't go into the Avatar state. Like, maybe he hadn't brought it up with her. He, but, yeah, it is a little insensitive. He didn't bring this up. This is, like, one of the biggest things that you could possibly know. Like, oh, hey, I cannot go beast mode today. Like, that's important. I don't know why he didn't bring it up, but the way Toph was wording it, it seemed like it was her first time realizing that he couldn't go into the Avatar state. All right. All right. I will give Toph the benefit of the doubt here. You've talked me out of, uh, you know, condemning her, <laughs> condemning her quite a bit. But yeah. All right. Well, Aang, you know, he goes through this nice little plot by saying uh, that when Azula hit him with the lightning, he couldn't go into the Avatar state because he lost his connection to the cosmic energy in the universe. Uh, Toph then mocks him. Uh, <laughs> can I give her negative points for that one, Zach? Yes, you can. Yes, you can. All right. She just like dismisses what he says and just mocks him pretty much. All right. So negative one to Toph as opposed to negative two. That seems like a fair compromise. Uh, anyway, we get uh, a shot of some thick fog on the horizon. Now, this fog comes out of nowhere. And Katara asks, like, oh, no, do you think this fog to, to de- uh, delay the invasion? And I have to say, Katara, you're pretty smart. You usually pick up on these types of things. I'm surprised that you weren't like, no, what are you talking about? Like, hey, the invasion's here or something like that. Uh, so I propose giving negative points to Katara. Maybe I'm a negative point spree today. <laughs> yeah, you are on a negative point spree, but I agree with you. I have no idea how Katara couldn't realize this was like man-made fog. It's like a cloud by itself. So it wasn't like the whole area was surrounded with fog. So I don't know how she wasn't able to put two and two together and realize that it's the invasion force. But Sok is able to figure it out and he's like oh that's the invasion force so there you go that is true uh i gotta say it was a beautiful bright day i'm not really sure how fog is actually made like if you asked me to explain the science of it i would have no idea at all i think it's just like when a cloud accidentally goes too low like that seems about right but (laughs) i will say that i at least know fog doesn't happen on bright sunny days i'll just go i'll just i'll put it out there so negative one point to katara um, I'll keep track of these points, maybe. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Sounds good. Um, anyway, so yeah, they, they see the invasion and this is when we get like a whole, uh, you know, smorgasbord maybe is not the right word, but it's close enough. We get a whole, uh, cast of characters coming in to uh, all get excited for the invasion. Before we get that, we see Ang and Toph making docks out of earthbending. I have to say, this is very resourceful. 
They're able to make these docks extremely quickly, five docks for five ships in about 15 seconds. If that's not impressive DIY stuff, I don't know what is. Uh, so great use of earthbending here. Underrated use, honestly. Yeah, facts, facts. No, you're preaching to the choir. I agree. <laughs> Very underrated use of the earth bending. Yeah. Uh, yeah, it's like, so, you know, water bending, they can make their cities out of water and ice. Like, that takes a while. Like, the earth cities can just be built so quickly. Like, it must take, like, seconds for them to build, like, some smaller tier earth city. Very impressive. Um, anyway, we see Hakoda. Hakoda is the first person that we get off the invasion force. Uh, obviously, the kids are excited to see their dad, but Sokka wants to know uh, if they have the whole gang. Team Avatar's growing a bit. The first people we see that are joining are Do and Though. These are the Swampbenders. Zach, are you excited to see our Swampbenders back? <laughs> Not really. I remember when I first watched this, I was surprised that they even brought them back. But I guess you need more waterbenders on the team, and they are waterbenders. So there we go. Hakoda describes them as a little loose in the leaf hat. Bato chimes in. He's like, I just wish they would wear pants. And then Hugh, the third of the swamp benders, just goes like, pants are an illusion, and so is death, which was a really odd line <laughs> that I had to highlight. So, yeah. Yeah, yeah, that one made no sense. Like, I get it. Like, they're a little bit off base, but... If there was, like, an, uh, an out-of-context uh, avatar, or, like, no-context avatar, like, there is, like, a no-context survivor and succession all that, uh, this would be a great one to put up there. Like, it just makes no sense in context, so out of context, it would be even more <laughs> weird, but what can you do? Uh, uh, yeah, I, I, didn't, I didn't think this one was, was great. I was, like, kind of excited to see them back just because they are, like, different waterbenders, and it's kind of fun to see, like, the, you know, the... I, I don't know what to call them. The like hicks, maybe is that like a term to use? Yeah, I think so. I, they're like the hicks of the Avatar world. Yeah. They're a little like it's kind of like some Southerners. I don't know. Yeah, it's nice to see them uh, help out. I guess. Um, so there you go. Uh, but yeah, like they're a little bit weird. Uh, the next people that we get is Peru uh, and Tyro. Now. This, this one is exciting because Haru has really glowed up. He's got a little bit of facial hair. You can tell like this is as much as he can possibly grow. He's got a small <laughs> mustache and just just a bit of a goatee. And uh, I remember when I was in like 10th grade and I could finally start to grow like a little bit of facial hair. I thought I was the coolest person in the entire world. Yeah, same. I remember when I could only grow a mustache and nothing else. And I was like, damn, I feel like a baller right now. Yeah, it's uh, it's pretty cool uh, for about, you know, 15 minutes until it looks bad. But uh, <laughs> anyway, Haru's really, uh, really glowed up. And yeah, we, we get to see them. I was quite excited to see Haru and Tyro here. Uh, so very cool that we got to see them. Uh, what about Big Bad Hippo in the Boulder? Were you excited to see uh, people from Earth Rumble Six join the join the crew? Yeah, I was very excited to see Hippo in the Boulder. I love them. I love like the wrestling episode with the Blind Bandit, and yeah. it's cool. They actually brought Mick Foley back to continue voicing the Boulder, which is pretty cool. So, yeah, I enjoyed them. Well, more, I'm more hyped for them than I was like doing Tho and Haru and Tyro personally, but. Yeah, no, I, I, I think that's fair. Um, that, you know, they're exciting characters. They actually don't do much once they're here, though. Like, I'm not even sure you really see them once they're fighting. Like, 
yes, we got the voice acting back, but like after we had the boulder like give one line, I think he's kind of just done. I mean, I guess that makes sense. The actor's got better things to do, but I wasn't, uh, you know, didn't use him a ton. True, true. They could have done more with them. I agree. Yeah. Well, uh, there you go. Oh, yeah. I almost forgot. We have way more people. Yeah, this whole this, yeah. <laughs> this scene really dragged on for a bit. Like, I'm, I'm just like looking at my notes and it's just like more and more people. I'm like, oh, this person's here and this person's here. Uh, next, we get the mechanist. The mechanist uh, has a peanut sauce explosion, which sounds pretty nice. Like, anytime I go to a Thai place and I get like a uh, fake chicken satay, I always want more peanut sauce. Like, that's the thing I'm just clamoring for. So, a peanut sauce explosion sounds pretty good if I can, uh, you know, sop that up for the rest of my chicken satay. See, I, I like peanut butter, but I'm not a big peanut sauce, man. I don't know. Really? Maybe I just love the artificial flavoring of peanut butter more <laughs> than I enjoy peanut sauce. <laughs> what about just like peanuts? Like if, just like roasted peanuts. Is that something you do? Eh, eh, I'm not a big nut guy myself. I don't right. like nuts too much. I, I like like salted cashews, I suppose, but not a big nut guy. This is as riveting a conversation as our berry conversation from a couple of weeks ago. Wait, that was interesting. <laughs> the fact that strawberries are not berries is an interesting fact. <laughs> it is. It like is. I'm not I saying that people. It... I'm not saying like people like went out and like you know told their neighbor, but like I'm sure people listening were like, "Oh, that's kind of cool to know if they didn't know it before." Yeah, I so, guess. I, ho- I hope. <laughs> don't be mean to the berry talk. Uh, okay. <laughs> Here's a question that no one cares to know, but I would like to know. What is your favorite sauce if you're not a peanut sauce guy? Mm, that is a good question. I like a sweet chili sauce. Ooh, Any like yeah. sweet chili sauce is just good. Like I feel like I like almost every sweet chili sauce I have. So there we go. Yeah. Should we drop the rest of the podcast and just talk about different types of sauces? I mean, we haven't even gotten <laughs> to the different types of mustard. Uh, I think we should just continue on here. No mustard talk? Uh, no mustard talk. Brutal. Negative one point to Zach. Oh, what the heck? <laughs> <laughs> just kidding. Why just kidding. I get it to merit? Just kidding. Oh, no, it's, it's all good. Now I'll you, take the negative you, one. You can say it's zero for now. Uh, we'll we'll uh, see if you shut down more uh, sauce talk later if I try to bring it back. <laughs> I'm just kidding. I'm sure that uh, everyone's very excited that you're uh, making us move on. Anyway, what we see is uh, we see a bunch of peanut sauce on Pipsqueak and the Duke. Uh, yeah, we get introduced to those members of the gang. We also like are missing some of the people from that group. Like, uh, like where did the rest of them go? Like, we have Pipsqueak and the Duke. Like. Smeller B, long shot. They just like didn't want to show up. Their calendars. Yeah, that's conflicted. a good. That's a, no, that's a very good question. I have no idea why they didn't show up. Is it on the Avatar wiki? Did the writers ever explain that? I didn't see anything that explained it. I mean, maybe they just like didn't want to. But it seems a little bit weird. <laughs> that they just didn't want to go. Like this is a pretty big deal. But yeah, I, I don't. Really- maybe they were too busy dealing with like um, what's his face's death, Jet's death. Still, I mean, so maybe they were reeling from that. That was a long time ago. Like, I don't know. I don't want to be like too rude about it, but get over it. Like, he wasn't that good of a friend anyway. <laughs> Damn, Jacob, ice cold. I mean, this is the invasion to save the planet. Like, you can't take a few days out of your morning schedule to avenge uh, the death. Like, you're going to fight Azula, who's the reason why Jet died. Like, come on, step up your game. 
Uh, yeah, maybe you're right. Maybe you're right. But who knows? Maybe they had something busier or they had um, something else to attend to. Look, I'm not impressed. Uh, they should have shown up. Uh, we see a new glider that Aang got uh, from the Mechanist. Uh, the Mechanist has made a new glider. This one is blue. It seems to have a few extra features. There's a snack compartment. Uh, it looks like there's like a place for his feet. Uh, it's a little bit fancier than the last one. Uh, there's like a little uh, tail, 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 something. Tail piece. Tail piece. Yeah, I don't know. Seems about I don't right. Know. Uh, you know, nice enough. Uh, what feature would you want on your glider, Zach? Uh, good question. I mean, the snack compartment's kind of useless, I feel like, even though Aang <laughs> does make use of it later on in the episode. I also like how the mechanist has to, like, try out the snack compartment himself, and he, like, goes under and is like, I'm, I'm, I'm like, eating it, so. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, that's just, like, classic, uh, classic behavior from uh, the weird old mechanist, but uh, <laughs> I appreciated that. Yeah, I don't know. I think if I had a glider, I think I might want Bluetooth playing capabilities. I think I might want to play some music while I'm gliding around. That's smart. That's smart. Bluetooth capabilities. Yeah, I'd want that too. The other one might be navigation. Uh, essentially, I'm just going to make it into a car. Uh, if I had a glider, <laughs> I would want a car. That's essentially what I'm getting at. You wouldn't want to fly around everywhere? No, that sounds great. But like, I don't want the wind in my face. Uh, I don't want like bugs or birds to hit me. Um, I think, I think a flying car is the type of glider that I would like. All right. Fair, fair, fair. I mean, flying cars would be nice. Who knows? Maybe in 30 years we'll have flying cars. I feel like in the 1950s, they always assumed by like 2020, we'd have flying cars. And here we are. Instead, we just have like Teslas. Teslas are pretty cool. True, true. They're not bad, but yeah. they're not flying cars. No, they're, they're not flying cars. I mean, we have some cool science stuff. Like, I, I want to give the scientists a break. Like, everyone thought in 2020 we'd have flying cars. Like, look, it's not it's not scientists' fault we don't have it yet. We're just like, we're not quite there. But, like, we have lots of cool stuff. Yeah, yeah. And I feel like we'll have flying cars eventually. Maybe not in our lifetimes, but who knows. I mean, I plan to live for a bit. Like, I hope we have flying cars in my lifetime. We'll see. It depends on the scientists. All right. Well, get to it, scientists. You heard it first here. We got to get some flying cars in my lifetime. Uh, with snack compartments included. Uh, yep. Anyway, uh, that is, I believe, the end of all the people we get. Uh, we get a quick little scene with Uncle Iroh here. Uh, Uncle Iroh's got some setup. Uh, we see him in prison throughout the episode. Uh, and we have this warden who just is sitting there, like, watching Uncle Iroh, and the man is in a cage. Like, he's not going to go anywhere. But this old man, uh, or this, like, warden type that's sitting there, is, like, sitting there just, like, taunting him. Like, is this what he does with his time? Is that, like, what he does for his free time and, like, for fun? Yeah, I feel like every warden we see in in media is, like, a sadistic a-hole, so... I feel like this is par for the course with most fictional wardens. He's just a big prick, so. I mean, like, people can call me, like, uh, radical and all. I'm not a huge fan of uh, prisons. I think they're pretty stupid. Uh, I think we shouldn't be jailing people. I don't think it's super effective. So I'm I'm pretty anti-warden to begin with. Uh, but, like, I wouldn't mind if there was, like, one good warden in media. Like, I can't imagine that every warden is just, like, some sadistic piece of crap that decides, like, I'm going to be mean to people who did something wrong. Like, I, that, you're not helping anyone. 
Yeah, and also, Iron didn't even do anything wrong. Boo-hoo, he betrayed the Fire Nation. Like, that's I mean, not wrong. Th- they're in the Fire Nation. Like, I agree it's not wrong, but, like, the Fire Nation <laughs> thinks it's wrong. I understand <laughs> why fair. a legal system would say, like, hey, you don't betray us. Uh, that's true. I think you, you, you're right. I can't <laughs> argue. <laughs> um, anyway, we see, uh, a nice, a nice, uh, person in the prison system, uh, come in. Actually, you know what the problem is, is maybe if you're nice, you just like aren't pushing people down and like, you know, being mean to your coworkers. So you're also not likely to promote and become the warden. Like maybe because you're nice and caring, you're like less likely to become the warden. So the nice people aren't ever in charge. Oh, that's a good theory. Yeah, that's true. So I guess poor old Ming will never become a warden because she's like sneaking in IRO extra bowls of rice and tea. So yeah, and she. I I do not think that she'll become a warden. Uh, she doesn't really seem to to like you know keeping people locked up and treating them poorly. So if media tells me correctly, she cannot do it. Um, anyway, so she brings in some breakfast. This guy just says like, uh, "Oh, he, his stench will knock you right out." Which, fair, he doesn't seem to have a shower, and he works out constantly. That cell must smell terrible. I did not think of this. Like, initially, I was like, damn, how can he just be saying Iroh smelly? What a rude-ass warden. But now that you th- now that you put it like that, you're right. This guy doesn't have a shower, and he's been working out the whole time, so he must stink like a moose lion's after excrement. <laughs> <laughs> yes, uh classic moose lion excrement. Um uh, yeah, I'm I'm sure that, I'm sure he smells bad. That's probably the only accurate thing he said. Um yep. anyway, uh Ming uh is very kind to him. He has some nice white jade tea. Uh uh she even says, like, I know you like rare teas. This got me thinking about like last meal type stuff. Like, what would I want my last meal to be? Zach, have you thought about this? Like if you're on death row and you got like one last meal. I'd want like a really good burger, like the most gourmet burger ever. That's what I would want. Like what the gold plated one? Yeah, like a gold plated one. Like just like a really high class burger, like something at like a million dollar steakhouse or something like that. That's what I would want. Oh. What about you? I think I would want my last meal to be like a tub of ice cream and a tub of frosting. A tub of frosting? Oh, yeah. Have you never eaten frosting by itself? Never. Or Whoa. very rarely. I used to eat like Nutella by itself back in the day when I was a kid, but. Oh my gosh. That was, that was like a little triggering to hear. Uh, my sister and one of my best friends got into a fight over Nutella at one time and <laughs> neither of them have ever gotten over it in their lives. Uh, <gasps> how did they get into a fight or one of them finished it? Like you don't have to go into great detail. But so, what okay. Was the so my sister about? was eating Nutella. Uh, she was like, had a jar of it and she was like eating it with a spoon. And my friend walked over, I believe he put his finger in the Nutella and just like ate some out of her Nutella. Uh, and Grace got extremely upset about it. She's actually, my sister's actually here now. There's a chance she might barge in to tell the story better. So who knows? Probably not. But, uh, yeah. So he ate some Nutella out of there and like both of them have been talking about it for like over a decade. <laughs> well, I mean, I think your friend is a little at fault for putting his bare finger in the Nutella. Maybe if he grabbed another spoon and stole a bite, then it would have been fine. But yeah, but see, bare finger and then Nutella. I mean, Grace, look, not to, not to take sides. Grace was double dipping. So 
if she's double dipping, it's effectively the same as putting your finger in. No, I guess, but I like I guess like yeah, if I had to I rank them, which one's worse between like double dipping with a spoon all the time or one putting in of the finger? Like, I'm not actually sure where I come down on this. I feel like your fingers got like I don't know more dirt and stuff. I don't know, but I, they're both gross. I think you're right. I don't know. I don't know exactly where I come down on this side uh, debate. So uh, now I can kind of see why the debate has lingered for a decade. Yeah. Well, both of them are upset about it, so it'll never get resolved. Uh, anyway, uh, before we move on from this scene, though, we should shout out Ming, voiced by tennis champion Serena Williams, who happens to who happened to be a huge Avatar: The Last Airbender fan. Oh, yeah, and yeah. she's the voice actress here, so that's pretty cool. Serena Williams randomly just <laughs> voicing a character in a Nickelodeon show. Yeah, that is absolutely insane. I meant to look up uh, if Serena had ever had like any other things, um, like in the IMDb. But I, uh, I didn't. I guess we can do it right now. Um, anyway, to finish my, my like uh, last meal talk, I would like to add one more thing. Cookies, because if you put icing on cookies, it's even better. Damn, you just want to get like diabetes right before you die. Wait, no. All those what, what do you mean get diabetes before you die? If you're dying, you can't get diabetes. You either have it. Or you're not going to get it. You can't get it in your last month. <laughs> That's true. You're right. My science knowledge is just lacking there. My bad. <laughs> um, oh, I see that uh, Serena's got quite a bit of IM, uh, IMDb credits. Uh, most oftentimes appearing as herself, but also in uh, The Legend of Korra, an episode of The Legend oh, wow. of Korra. Wow, that's dope. Yeah, season Shout two, Williams. episode seven of Legend of Korra. Oh, Wait, that's, that's actually, famous enough. Oh, sorry, that's oh, actually a really say? good episode. I'm a, I'm a big fan of that episode. Oh, nice, nice. No, I was just about to say. I wish I was famous enough to just be able to get voice acting roles in my favorite TV shows. Just be like, yeah, I like this show. I want to roll in it. Give it to me now. I mean, that would be that would be pretty cool. Uh, what uh, what uh, TV show would you want to go on? Hmm, good question. I wouldn't have minded a bit part in Breaking Bad because they had like Bill Burr and Random Comedian. So I feel like I could have had a small role on something like that. What about you? If you could have any, if you could appear on any show in a small role, what would you choose? Hmm. I was going to say some reality TV show, but if I say reality TV show and I have a small role, that means I did poorly. So I'd, I'd actually probably not want that. Um, it might be like, like a Steven Universe or like an Avatar, like some sort of cartoon. I think it'd be fun to see myself in cartoon form. Uh, so I might go go with that one, especially if I can look like myself in the cartoon. I'd be even more eager to do it. Nice, nice. Um, All right, should we continue talking about Avatar here? I didn't even realize we're already 30 minutes into the podcast. Oh. Time flies when you're having fun. Tangents galore, Zach. We are crushing it <laughs> over here. Talking about anything but the episode. I mean, okay, so far, the episode, I can sum up as Aang had a good night's sleep and we introduced people. That's the episode. Yep, yep. So I'm glad we didn't talk about that for 30 minutes. We've been talking about other things. Um, <laughs> yep. Anyway, okay, so we get a speech by Sokka. Uh, this is a speech to rile up the troops. And I have to say, uh, you know, public speaking is hard, but. This was really bad. This was just not very good. Uh, it was way too quick. There's too many ums and uhs. You know, maybe I shouldn't be 
making fun of Sokka too much. I, too, am guilty of the ums and uhs on this very podcast. You know, listeners, Zach, you've heard me say it many times. I've been trying to fight myself saying it while I've been cr- criticizing Sokka. But he does it quite poorly <laughs> here. This was, like, really, really bad. Yeah, Sokka starts off this invasion's plan speech by tripping over himself and dropping all his maps, and then it's only going to go downhill from there. Have you ever had a, have you ever bombed in public doing something like a presentation? Um, never like this bad. So I did debate in high school, and there was one time where I started reading the wrong case. So it was like a case from the previous month. So I started, I went up there, started reading something, and about 30 seconds in, I realized that Everyone else was super confused, including my partner, because I was reading something that had no relevancy to what we were talking about. Everyone was like, what the hell is he on? That was pretty embarrassing, but I don't think there's ever a time where I went up and just like totally flopped. I feel like the fake it till you make it is strong within me. Uh, What about you, Zach? Yeah, I remember there was one presentation in high school where I kept like bending my knees. Like I was like almost like bobbing up and down. I didn't notice. It was just like a nervous thing. <laughs> and then some one of my friends was like, yeah, you were like moving weird that whole presentation. And I was like, oh, crap. Because when I was younger, I like prided myself on my public speaking ability. I was my school's announcer. Oh. I thought I was pretty good at that stuff. But yeah, I've had a couple of bad presentations here and there. But usually I'm pretty good at the public speaking. I think I could have done like a Hakoda-esque speech there. Okay. I respect it. Uh, I, I've heard, a, I, or I've remembered a story uh, that I also like messed up. Uh, so I was in a musical and I forgot the lyrics to the first song. <laughs> so instead of doing the lyrics, I just mimed them. And then I blamed it on the audio equipment cutting out instead of me forgetting. Nice. Nice. Yeah. Good uh, on your toes thinking there. Yeah. Uh, you know, pretty smooth if I say so myself. Uh, Zach, I would love if you could do some morning announcements for us right now. Uh, do, do you have it in you to do some morning announcements calling back to your sixth grade self? <laughs> well, it was more my 11th and 12th grade self, but um, this Even week on Ang in There, they talk about, we, we'll be talking about moose lion excrement, nuts, <laughs> and all of that. <laughs> I'm already bobbing, holy. So I guess I got Sokka in me today and not Hakoda, sadly. Don't have a good morning announcement in me. Yeah, that's what about fine. you, Jacob? Can you give the morning announcement for Ang in There this week? This week on Ang in There. I would just, I don't have anything. No, I can't. <laughs> That's fair. I didn't That's even fair. change my voice much. I That was bad. I couldn't do the morning announcements. Um, too stressful. Yeah. Uh, I did like it, that we saw that whenever uh, like Sokka's going through all of this, we have the maps uh, that Sokka had bought in a previous episode. So in the runaway, uh, Toph gave Sokka a bunch of money. Uh, part of it was for armor uh, for Appa, which we see. And part of it was to buy some expensive atlases. And these atlases seem pretty expensive because the pictures that they have to plan the invasion were extremely, extremely nice. I just wanted to call it out because uh, I like the callback. No, you're right. That is a good callback to The Runaway. And The Runaway kind of felt like a filler episode, but we're seeing the results of that episode in this one. We're seeing yeah. like Appa's armor come into play. We're seeing Sokka utilizing these maps that he bought with uh, Toph's like scam money. So, yeah. Yeah, but I also think that like, like sure, uh, we do see all of that. But like if Appa had armor, I wouldn't be like, hey, wait a second. They never said they were going to get Appa armor. Like that's the type of thing that it's like fine if they didn't explicitly say. So I, I don't know. Like it's always pretty fuller. 
Yeah. That's fair. That's fair. Uh, so, yeah, we see Sokka bomb his speech. He's like, as you know, today we're invading the Fire Nation, which you already know, because you why would you be here? And, <laughs> and that's his first line. And then, just like I said, it goes downhill from there. He's like, the Fire Lord's Palace is here. Oh, uh, wait. Oh, uh, wait. It's here. Oh, uh, wait. It's here. <laughs> he keeps saying, oh, wait. <laughs> and then his maps are all wrong and they're out of order. And then he's like, wait, let me start from the beginning. Then he proceeds to, like, summarize the first, like, five episodes of season and one and luckily Hakoda tags in and saves him and gives like a great speech and he perfectly illustrates their plan beat by beat so Hakoda is able to save Sokka here yeah Sokka also talks extremely quickly like it felt like uh you know so I listen to podcasts on 2x speed I know this is like sacrilege for some people but hey I do it uh so I listen to podcasts quickly and it's like sometimes it 2x is like a little fast if people are like fast talkers uh, and so sometimes all of a sudden you'll just like not be able to catch up. And that kind of was like how Sokka was talking because his speed uh, just got way faster. He started mumbling. It started being hard to understand him. So I thought it was like a, a nice, nice callback, you know, uh, to the medium that we're doing this in podcasting. So, you know, loose connection, but I saw it. Uh, it's funny you're a 2x speed guy. I'm more of a 1.5x speed guy myself. Okay. I feel like. Sometimes, so I usually use Apple Podcasts, which is trash. Like, it is not a good way to use it. I'm just like, I guess I'm hesitant to move off. Um, anyway, when I go onto Spotify, because some podcasts are only on Spotify, I will even go 2.5x. Wow. Wow. That's like way too fast. I can't even pick up the words at that point. I, just, <laughs> I got too many things to do. Like, if I'm listening to the podcast and I'm paying attention to it, like, just give it to me as quickly as possible. That's fair. Um, anyway, so yeah, they, they go through the whole plan. Hakoda does like a pretty good job explaining it all. Uh, and I think the important part is that they're actually not like using the eclipse to do the entire invasion. They're only doing it to get to the royal palace uh, because that's when they need the eclipse the most. So they have to go through the whole like, you know, beach style invasion uh, with the Fire Nation being able to attack them. Yep, yep, yep. Because then the boulder chimes in during the speech and asks, why are they not invading during the eclipse when the firebenders are powerless? And then Hakoda explains that the eclipse only lasts eight minutes, which is not enough time for a full-fledged invasion. Yep. Uh, we also see in the next scene, Aang shaves his hair. And I just have to say, I wish it was that quick and easy to shave. Like, it's one of my least favorite activities. If I could pay someone money to never have to shave again, I happily would do it. Um, but Aang just like knocks off all of his hair in about 30 seconds flat. Yeah. He's like dry shaving his head. No cream, no nothing. I'm shocked. He didn't end up with like any little nicks or cuts on his head. Yeah. He definitely should have at least one cut. I was extremely jealous. You know, it was nice to see him get back to his true self. I like the fire nation uniform that he's been in. Uh, Victor also mentioned this when he wrote into the podcast. It's great to see the gang back in their old outfits, ready to fight again. It's like, you know, it feels like a triumphant return after a few episodes out of it. It's nice to see Aang back in his bald head. However, I do wish he cut himself once, just so I felt a little bit better about my shaving skills. (laughs) Uh, True, but I guess we should be happy Aang didn't cut himself, but yeah. Yeah, I mean, it would have been such a dumb plot point. It's like, oh no, I can't invade the Fire Nation because I have a nick on my head. It's like, okay, (laughs) good for you. Um, Anyway, we cut to Sokka. Sokka's just super upset. 
And look, I get he messed up the speech. He really, really just like dropped the ball at the one yard line. Uh, really, as he says, flubbed it. Uh, but no one cares. Like, who cares if he doesn't give a good speech? Like, I really don't get why he's that upset. It seems a little bit out of character for him to be upset because he seems like a type of person who'd be able to bounce back, not care too much. Uh, but maybe, maybe this, like, maybe, yeah, maybe I'm just buying into the illusion. Zach, what were your thoughts? Yeah, I guess Sokka is just like comparing himself to his dad and he sees how his like dad was able to step in and give such an amazing speech and he wanted to be able to do that. So I guess he's just caught up in comparing himself to his father and not in the actual battle. Hmm. Well, I'm sure his dad could like dunk or something and he can't. Like, I don't know. Give himself time. <laughs> like, you're literally like a kid. So if you can't give a speech, like, actually, yeah. Why was he the one giving the speech anyway? Hakoda should have been giving the speech from the beginning, no matter what. The kid's literally like a 12 year old talking to like actual people in the army. What? Yeah, but to be fair, the invasion plan was mostly his idea, right? Was it not? Sure. He's the idea guy. Like, you gotta have the face <laughs> to give people the confidence to fight. Sokka is not inspiring me to run out into a battlefield. Hakoda? Okay. Okay, I might. Yeah, yeah, that's fair. That's true. And um, then Aang comes in with some sage advice and he explains that, like, oh, with public speech, that was just public speaking and nobody's really good at that, which is true. Good, good point by Aang. Then Aang further explains that, like, his moment of truth won't be in front of some map. It'll be on the battlefield, which is true, too. So shout out Aang being a good homie to Sokka here and lifting him up. Yeah, that's true. Uh, Zach, should we do our, uh, our ranking of the people that we have fighting in the invasion for us? Sure. How do you want to rank them? You want to like draft them? What do you want to do? Well, so we have a few groups. Uh, I think it's probably easier to do it by group. Um, so I'm going to say we have like Hakoda and Bato. So we have like the water nation people. We have the swamp people. So doing though, uh, we have, uh, Tyro and Haru. We have the Earth Rumble Six folks. We got the Mechanist and his crew, and we got Pipsqueak and the Duke. Uh, I believe that's six people. We could draft them if we wanted them. We could rank them one to six. Whatever floats your boat. I think it's important to tell uh, who we would want in an invasion, though. Hmm. Who would I want? Okay, I'll start. I'll go pick number one. I'll take Hakoda and Bato. I think I don't, I'm not a big Bato guy, but I'll take Hakoda. Hakoda with no bending was able to like 1v4 these firebenders later on in the episode. So I think his battle skills are pretty impressive. So I'll go Hakoda and Bato number I, one. I'll take him. I am shocked that you took Bato on your team. I know. I didn't want to, but I wanted Hakoda, so we'll just take Bato like, too. I, yeah, I get there a package deal, but it seems like you might take them both and then just drop Bato. Just I, I'm, <laughs> I'm shocked. I'll draw. I'll drop Bato on my waiver wire. You could scoop him up. <laughs> that is that is shocking. All right. Well, I think the the number one pick should have been clear. The mechanist is just so clutch in this episode. Like he's a, like we'll get to it later, but he's able to like make totally new inventions uh, so they can like circumvent the Azulon gate that's coming up in a bit. Like I think the mechanist uh, should be the number one pick. And because my number one pick is so weak, I'm going to go with the earth rumble six people for my number two pick. So now I've got the brains. 
I got the brawn. That's going to be my number two pick for my invasion for Zach. Who are you taking next? I'll take uh, the Pipsqueak and the Duke because I just want the Pipsqueak on my team so he can talk in his funny deep voice. <laughs> I thought that would be your. I thought that'd be your number one pick for sure. I thought you were going Pipsqueak. <laughs> when you picked Bato for your number one pick over Pipsqueak, I was I was a little shook. Um, yeah, I mean, right. I had to switch it up. Why not? Who do you want? next uh on your team to round it i'll out. take haru and tyro oh Why not? no <laughs> i wanted Leave them to you round it out for beauties Nah, we'll take haru and tyro tyro his big stocky build like i said he's like the starting power forward on our team so we'll take tyro and haru why not haru right. and his little goatee i get the swamp benders wah, wah. too bad yeah you get like you and his like swamp monster so that's pretty powerful uh the guy who's communing with nature, no thanks. Uh, no <laughs> thank you. I do not need that. Um, anyway, all right. I, th- I feel like we have some good invasion forces uh, between the two of us. But uh, anyway, oh, yeah, wait. I also wanted to ask you, uh, who's missing? So I already said Longshot and Smellerby should have been here. Who else would we have wanted to see join the invasion force? Hmm. Off the top of my head, I'm not sure. I mean, some of the White Lotus people would have been cool. Like if we could have got like Boomy or like Zhang Zhang as part of the invasion force. But I guess they're busy doing their own thing. Why? You want Che? Is that what you're going to say? Zach, you said John John, but you didn't say Che. And that was your mistake because <laughs> I want Che on my invasion force. You know, he's loyal. He's a hard worker. He'll do whatever it takes. Like, come on. Why is Che not there? Um, yeah, so I, I think, yeah, it would have been good to see some of the White Lotus people. I think it's a little disappointing to not get any of them here. Um, I guess it makes a little bit of sense, but I, I really would have liked to see some of them. Uh, it also would have been fun to get Flopsy, I think, like from, from Boomy's, uh, like Boomy's big rabbit. That would have been funny to get. I'm trying to think of other people would have been good to get. Those are the main ones. Che really is. Che was the right answer. So once we got Che, that's all, <laughs> uh, that's all we need. Just Che as the number one Che stand in the world. Yeah, it is. Have I talked about how like that's the two K my player name, or that's, that's like the your two K my player name? No, no that's a nickname. Like in the audio, like the audio, they say Che all the time. Like no matter what oh, name. Oh yeah, you yeah. I forgot about that. This is a two K where they just give you that nickname. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Anyway, yeah, I didn't name my player after the Avatar character. <laughs> I thought you did. I was gonna. Lie. I was so. I was laughing so hard because I thought that's what you did. I mean, look, I I, I might do that. Like, uh, you know, I might. I uh, I I'm looking to buy uh, like the new Madden game because I haven't bought one mm-hmm. in like a few years, so I need an update because I like playing it. Uh, I think I might have my 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 player be named Che. So. All right. Watch there out. Che's career is going to kick off uh, tomorrow night. <laughs> All right. Bet. <laughs> um, so we will continue on here. So like Aang was coming in with some sage advice and then Sokka asked, why is Aang so confident? Aang's like, well, I already failed the world once at bossing say, and I won't let myself fail again is what Aang says. So Aang coming in with like the super confidence here. Yeah, very confident, uh, you know, for what he's got going on. It's a pretty big task, so I'm not sure I'd be so confident. But hey, 
maybe that's what it takes to, uh, you know, get yourself up ready to fight the Fire Lord. Uh, anyway, we get on the ships. Uh, they start going. They start, uh, you know, driving away. Uh, we see some, like, uh, gigantic statue of Azulon. Uh, and we hear uh, Hakoda say, oh, that's the Great Gates of Azulon. And we don't see anything, initially, at least. Uh, and so what happens is, uh, like, they get the fog cover from the Swamp Benders. Uh, they keep going with their ships. As they get closer, a bell starts to ring. And a gigantic net-type gate raises out of the water. And then they set it on fire. Now... I don't know how often this gate goes up, but every time you set a gate on fire, you have to replace it. Like, is this not a huge pain to replace this gate after you set it on fire? What if the gate is made out of some, like, flame-resistant material where the flame can still burn on it, but it's not going to burn it totally? But that just makes no sense because it was previously in water. So then that means the water that's on it's flammable. Like, I think the rope has to be flammable itself. It looked just like regular rope. Yeah, that's true. I found this gate kind of... I'm surprised. How were they? How was it able to be set on fire when it's on water? That's what confused me about this gate. Is there, like, oil all around the water? Is it like that thing from Dunkirk that gave you nightmares? Oh, my gosh. Uh Zach, I'm going to go to bed right after this podcast. I cannot <laughs> believe that you mentioned that. All I'm right. so sorry. I didn't think that would actually trigger you. No, no, that's fine. I'll just, you know, I hope you think about Wishbone tonight. <laughs> I haven't had a nightmare about Wishbone in like more than a decade and a half. So well, it's I'm coming fine. back, Zach, so watch out. <sighs> All right, um, bitch. <laughs> uh, I would actually feel really bad if you message me tomorrow morning and you're like, I had a wishbone nightmare. <laughs> I, this is like one of those jokes that should have just been like a throwaway thing. And I just like latched onto it like for dear life. It's like one of my favorite facts I know about you. I mean, it is pretty funny. I told it with the intention of making people laugh. So yeah. I, I don't know why when I was a kid, I was so scared of dogs for some reason. I mean, especially this cute one who dresses up in funny <laughs> costumes. Like, you can't hate on that guy. Uh, mm. I don't know. In my in my nightmares, he was, like, sadistic. He would, like, eat me alive. It was horrible. I, that sounds very scary. That's not the wishbone I know and love. Although I only knew yeah. about wishbone after you told me about him on the, on the podcast. <laughs> I'm surprised yeah. Naomi knew wishbone. Shout out Naomi. She knew exactly what we were talking about. Yeah, I mean, shout out Naomi for, like, many reasons, you know. Great guests, uh, like great stuff going on. She actually start, started a, a podcast herself uh, with uh, TikTok Nicole on the Silent Podcast Network talking about Project Runway. So check that out. But more importantly, uh, for her knowing Wishbone, uh, great, great use of uh, her mental headspace to know about that dog. Um, <laughs> True. Anyway, so they have this gigantic net. Someone's going to have to go out and replace it because it looks like it's just rope with accelerant on it. But anyway, they all go under deck. Uh, They all disappear. So we see a bunch of Fire Nation people get on the boats. Now, they only had like three Fire Nation people per boat. So I think the Fire Nation people would have been totally like knocked out had they stayed on the boat. So maybe this whole submarine thing was a bit premature, but uh, they have a pretty cool invention uh, where we see that they uh, they actually, instead of staying on the boat, go underneath the water, or I guess in the water? Under the water? In, in the water makes sense. 
Yeah, okay. In the water. Uh, and they're in these submarines. And uh, it's pretty cool because they have the swamp benders and the other water benders having the propulsion for the submarine. That, like, is how they get motion. And then they're essentially just, like, gigantic balls of air that are floating through the water. So everyone in the invasion force can get to the beach safely. Yeah, I'm surprised they have the technology to build submarines, but I guess the mechanists in Sokka, with their combined intelligence, were just able to conceptualize this. Yeah, I mean, like, so real-life submarines have to match the pressure of the water they go under. And, like, because submarines are going deep, like, the water pressure gets more and more, so you have to, like, because, like, the pressure going in has to be the same as pressure going out, or else, like, it causes, like, massive problems. So, like, I don't know how they actually fix that problem, because, like, the pressure seems, like, pretty hard. Like, maybe that's an airbender quality. Maybe. I don't know. Um, but, yeah. Uh, it is pretty cool that they have this. Uh, Toph is not very excited, though. Everyone else is, but Toph is very upset. Uh, she says this is even worse than flying. And the Duke... Uh, be- so, Toph- Toph's, like, about to throw up. The Duke offers his helmet as a place for her to throw up. That's one of the most unhinged things I've ever heard of in my entire life. Yeah, the Duke is just such a loving, giving kid, I suppose. He's just, like, sees someone in distress and gives up his helmet for them to vomit into. No, I I thought this was really weird, too. I would never offer up my helmet to anybody to vomit, vomit into. We see the Duke when they resurface. He's, like, cleaning up his helmet in the water, so at least he got that nice... I would have thrown mine away. If you throw up in one of my hats, I'm getting rid of the hat. Like, I don't need a hat that badly. And I'm someone who loves hats. And I'm still saying I don't want the hat that badly. That's absolutely disgusting. Uh, I'm trying to think of a better article of clothing to throw up in. Like, maybe a shoe. But I'm still throwing that away. Moral of the story is, there's not a single article of clothing that you could throw up in. And I would keep. Yeah, I'm in the same boat as you. I'm probably throwing it away myself. Well, perfect. Uh, anyway, we go back and forth between Socket and the Mechanist as they're giving themselves credit, uh, just going back and forth saying like how great they are, essentially. Uh, and the Mechanist talks about uh, the original design, and he opens up a, like, uh, a picture. Uh, that's a pretty generous thing to call it. It's very, very childish. Uh, you know, Socket's age is really showing here because the picture he drew of the submarine uh, is almost incomprehensible. So hopefully it came with a note as well as the picture. Yeah, it was like a giant fish with two stick figures in it. That's why, That's like the gist of his picture. Yep. Uh, yeah, the, the fish, importantly, are as big as the entire submarine as well. Just, yeah. just so yeah. it's clear. All right. Yeah, and then the mechanist explains the subs have a limited air supply and that they'll have to resurface, yada, 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 and then we cut to Iroh and Ming. Yeah, okay, that was one of the dumbest things that they threw in there. It's like, oh, hey, by the way, we want to make sure we get a scene right before they fight. Like, I do not understand why they needed to do this whole resurfacing thing. It made no sense. Like, I I did not understand. I didn't understand it either, but now that you mention it, it's like it makes sense to set up the scene later, so... Yeah, I guess that's why they did it, probably, to set up that scene between Katara and Aang. They could have done that scene before they got to Azulon. Aang could have pieced off, and then they could have done this whole thing, but whatever. Uh, Before we get to that, uh, the resurfacing, we get one more scene between Uncle Iroh and Ming. Uh, Ming has now brought an extra bowl of rice. Uh, Very nice of her to do so. 
Uh, Uncle Iroh says that, like, you know, this is so nice that you've done this. Like, you've made prison bearable. And then he says, I think you should take the rest of the day off. Uh, you know, there's some jokes that I think it's probably better I don't even make. But he says, like, hey, look, it's better that you're not here this afternoon. It's like, all right. Th- this was weird. I-, I didn't love this a ton. Uh, I didn't hate it or love it. I'm kind of indifferent. It's weird. He's like, hey, you look sick. And then she's like, no, I feel fine. And then he's like, trust me, it's better you're not here this afternoon. So it was weird that initially he leads off by saying like, yeah, you look sick today. And she's like, no, nah, I'm chilling. <laughs> yeah. I thought that was odd. Yeah. I just, I, yeah. I, I, for some reason, I just didn't like it that much. But what can you do? That's fair. I didn't hate it. It's like, I get it. He does. She, he doesn't want her to be there for when he eventually breaks out of prison, especially because she'll probably get into hot water if, if like he breaks out while she's there and she's like one of the prison guards for him. So why? Like if, like if he breaks out of prison and she's there, like uncle Ira's not going to accidentally hurt her. So like, I don't really get it. Maybe it like puts her in an awkward position. I don't know. Like ultimately like uncle Ira's about to escape. Like I wouldn't, you know, raise any red flags. I would just stay quiet if I were him. True, but you know how the Fire Nation is. If, like, one person messes up, then they'll just reprimand everybody and, like, kill them, probably. Who the heck knows? So, I feel like this whole prison is going, like, under. As soon as Iroh escapes, uh, Ozai's just, like, decimating this whole prison and, like, not letting them live. That's very fair. I Yeah, okay, that makes quite a bit of sense. Uh, that warden is definitely out, so. Yeah. Exactly, exactly. Um, All right. Well, the next thing we get is their resurfacing. uh, Very important, you know, for the air and all. Uh, Not for the plot, just for the air. (laughs) Uh, Anyway, Aang is feeling like, uh, you know, he's getting himself ready to do this. He says, like, yeah, I'm I'm ready to go. Um, And then Aang and Katara say goodbye. Uh, They start talking. Uh, Yeah. They start discussing, and they don't really say much, actually. They're like, oh, you know, when I first met you, you were just, like, a silly kid. And now you've, like, grown up a bunch in front of me. Like, I'm really proud of you. That's what Katara says to Aang. And Aang's like, what if I don't come back? And uh, they, like, start to, like, you know, Katara starts to say something. And then Aang cuts her off and kisses her on the lips. Uh, They both blush. And then he gets on his glider and flies away. This is more smooth than it was last week in his uh, in his dream, but not great. Like it wasn't it wasn't like a perfect ideal situation. You weren't touched by this romantic moment between Ag and Katara, Jacob. Nope. How could you not be nope. touched? What a heartless, soulless yeah. person you are. I'll own it. I'm heartless. Zach, was this like <laughs> you love this so much? No, no, no. I'm kidding. I was like, eh, who cares? I mean, it's cool. Like, they've been setting up Katara and Aang being in love for a while, and this just like reaffirms that. So it was a fine scene, but I didn't like care for it necessarily. Well, then we're on the same page. Um, anyway, so they like, uh, you know, they all go off in their separate ways. Uh, we then see Zuko. Zuko's, like, uh, looking at a painting uh, of him and May, uh, and he says, like, I'm sorry, May, and then uh, pieces off after having a note, writing it, and uh, leaving it on her dresser or her bed. One of those. I think it was her bed. Okay. Sounds good. Uh, <laughs> he leaves it on her bed. 
Uh, and then uh, pieces out. We go back to Aang. Aang is eating some food from the glider. Uh, and he's very happy that he has the extra features. Imagine if he had Bluetooth audio. He'd be jamming his way to the Fire Nation. <laughs> I feel like that would take me out of it. I wonder what I would be listening to if I'm about to like fight to the death. What song would I put on? Ooh, that's a good question. I'm going to think on that. Is there is there any sort of song that comes to mind like as a hype-up song? Um, I used to like Can't Be Touched by Roy Jones Jr., who's a boxer who released a rap song. That was like my hype-up song before like basketball games. Okay, that's what? solid. Uh, I think like the like Kendrick album that came out um, like a few years ago. Uh, damn. Yeah, Damn. Um, I think that is probably what I would go to if I like needed to get hype like quickly. I think that came out my freshman year of college. And I remember like people would play that like in parties and such. And it was always like, you know, I feel like it, it's like a good hype up. Uh, or some of the songs are a good hype up, like Humble. Yep, that's fair. Yeah. Good cho- all good choices all around. Yeah. Um, I'll have to listen to this boxer rap. Uh, yeah, it's, a, heard, it's a pretty good song. Have you heard the TikTok audio where it's like uh, Dwayne the Rock Johnson rapping? No, I have not heard this TikTok audio. Oh my god! I'll You'll have you, to send it to me after the podcast. I'll have to send you one after because it is so bad. Like his rapping is just quite cringy, uh, and people are having a lot of fun with him on TikTok, making fun of him. So I think it's quite funny. Um, anyway, we get to uh, the invasion. This is the time. Uh, Earthbenders get into some tanks, they shoot some torpedoes, they fight their way through uh, the water. This really has, like, Beaches of Normandy vibes, like, they're invading, they're going on a beach, Uh, they're trying to take, like, the, you know, the city by storm. Uh, You know, it's a very popular trope that a bunch of, like, old white men love talking about in World War II. Uh, Do you think (laughs) there's an equivalent group of old people who just love talking about the invasion on the day of Black Sun in the Avatar world. Who would it be, though? Would it be just like the random NPC Earthbenders we kind of see as part of the invasion force? Yeah, it would be like the old Earthbenders, uh, you know, like not Tyra himself, because he's like, you know, a very uh, cool person. Uh, He's not going to be, you know, wasting anyone's time with this type of talk. But you know, the other people that were in prison with Tyro, they would be talking all about this. Yeah, yeah, maybe you're right. They would be just talking about, back in my day, we had this invasion on the day of Black Sun. <laughs> exactly. Uh, anyway, we do see some pretty cool stuff going on. So, like, there's submarines, uh, there's some, like, torpedoes that they shoot, there's some harpoons that the Fire Nation shoots at the submarines. One of the submarines is getting dragged up by this torpedo. Katara uses Appa, uh, flies up, uh, blasts the uh, like blasts the chain and uses the torpedo to fall back down. Uh, they start like taking down tanks. Uh, lots of stuffs going on. It's a very busy battle scene. Any highlights yeah. from the battle that we should cover? Well, they dock and out come these like caterpillar looking tanks. These are some interesting. This is an interesting design on these tanks. I feel like that the mechanist came up with. Yeah, I mean, we see that it's actually a super useful design because later the Fire Nation has tanks that themselves come out. And these, like, uh, I can't say the word. Can, can you say it for me? What? These uh, what? Like, before a butterfly. Caterpillar? Yeah. 
those tanks are able to like go over the other tanks and like crush them, uh, like using their different segments. So that was like pretty cool. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then the tanks are, are being controlled by Earthbenders, and they unleash some rocks for Toph, the Hippo, and the Boulder to bend at the Fire Nation pillars. That was like a little cool thing. That's the last. Time, that's the last thing we see the Boulder and Hippo do pretty much this episode. So yep, yep, pretty much. Uh, but yeah, it was it was really uh, thoughtful what they did. So they had like a bunch of rocks that they were dropping periodically. Uh, they also had buckets of water for the Waterbenders. Katara had water on either side of Appa. Uh, someone in this group must have been a Boy Scout because they were quite prepared for all the different types of fighting they would need to do. Yeah, true. True Boy Scouts galore. Uh, anyway, as they're getting onto the, uh, onto the land, they start to realize that a bunch of the tanks are being taken out by these huge battlements. Uh, and I have to say, I've not heard the word battlement that much, but Hakoda sure loves saying the word battlement. Uh, the amount of times <laughs> he said battlement was a bit much. Yeah, I didn't even know initially what a battlement was. I was like, what the heck is he talking about? And I was like, oh, those like pillars that are shooting down fire at them. Those are the battlements. Yeah, it's a battlement. And you two better go take out that battlement while I take this battlement. And then we'll we'll meet back up after taking out the battlements. Like, I, he didn't even say it that many times. But like, it's a weird enough word to where if you say it twice, it's like, all right, this was a bit much. This episode is honestly the first time I've ever heard of the word battlement. I'm not even going to front. I, I I agree. Like, I don't know what I would have called them before this, but like not battlement. That's for sure. And after this episode, I will not call them battlements. <laughs> fair, fair. And then the fight continues. The Fire Nation comes out with their tanks, but the Earthbender tanks just seem more powerful. Like one of them just like crawls onto a Fire Nation tank and then just like crunches it up. And then the Swamp Benders are able to take out three tanks. But then Do and Tho are like, yo, where is Hugh? And then Hugh, then we see this like large seaweed monster come out of the water and start like chucking and smashing tanks. And they're like, hey, Hugh, where you been? And that's where he's like, I've been communing with nature. Gross. It takes a while to collect up this much seaweed. Gross. So. I didn't need to hear that. It's a personal detail. <laughs> I, I didn't need that information. <laughs> oh, that's fair. And then uh, we see like Sokka and Hakoda. They're battling these Fire Nation foot soldiers on lizard rhinos. That's what they're called, right? Yeah. Rhino lizards. Sokka takes one out in pretty impressive fashion. He like splits the spear in half with his sword and then he commandeers his rhino. And then this is where I was talking about earlier. Hakoda takes out four Fire Nation soldiers himself and hops on the rhino alongside Sokka. Pretty impressive battling from father and son here. Yeah, yeah. Uh, impressive stuff for sure. Um, but, you know, uh, it was fine. Like, We'll rank the battle for sure. This one will rank, you know, an hour in the podcast. I'll confirm what we will rank that battle. Um, and it's not, a, it's not a four. There's like lots of reasons why like it drags on, but it's like, it's an interesting battle. So um, what are we rating as a battle? Just this whole second I, half of I the episode? Or? I think it's like the whole invasion here. Okay. Know? We'll rate the whole invasion. Sounds good. Cool. Um, anyway, so we go uh, after they take out some battlements. Uh, we get in a quick, uh, quick scene with Zuko. Uh, Zuko like says, uh, I made some bad choices, but today I'm going to set things right. And he picks up some swords and he dips out. Uh, I thought this was like, this was interesting to get like during the fighting. Uh, I don't know when this should have come, but it was a weird choice to come here. 
Yeah, well, he's kneeling before a picture of his mom, which was kind of interesting while he's like talking to her. So yeah, I thought that was that was pretty unique, I suppose. Yeah, so let's see what happens next. Oh, before well, before we cut to Zuko, Sokka Hakoda's telling them we need they need to take out the battlements, and then this is where Sokka, Katara, and Hakoda fly out on Appa and they take out the battlements in various ways. Hakoda throws some bombs at one, a la Che. In my notes, I have it a la that one firebender that Jacob likes because nice. I forgot Che's name while I was watching the episode. Katara completely freezes one battlement and then Sokka like chops one off with his sword. And they land and Hakoda instructs the kids to take out one battlement while he takes out the other. Oh my goodness, and this, said this, and this so many times. <laughs> I've said it so many times, that's true. You know what's funny though? When I was watching this, I thought Hakoda should have gone with Sokka and sent Katara by herself. Because of the three of them, Katara is the most capable battler, don't you think? By far. Uh, Like, it's not even close. Like, Katara literally walks into one of them with some, like, uh, squid-looking arms of water, freezes everyone in, like, five seconds, and breaks, uh, like, the harpoon gun. So, yeah, like Katara is, like, so much more powerful, powerful. It's not even close. Yeah, Katara and Sokka, as you said, they freeze it. They take theirs out without a hitch. But Hakoda eats a firebending blast while he takes out his. And then Katara starts to heal Hakoda, who adamantly wants to get back to the troops. But Katara's like, nah, you're hurt badly and you can't fight anymore. When What's you got said, you chuckling? When you said eats a fire, I was like, he ate a firebender? <laughs> like, I've seen this episode. I literally watched it like, you know, once on like, Thursday and once today. But when you said that, I was like, holy hell, I missed that. Like, wow, I'm tired. Uh, yeah, anyway, <laughs> uh, yeah, he eats a blast. That, that is true. Um, anyway, yeah, this, like, so Hakoda, like, really wants to get back out there and fight. Uh, Katara's, like, trying to help him out. And Sokka's not helping. Like, it's, like, the type of person that is saying, like, Oh, hey, like, uh, you know, oh, you should be doing it that way. It's like the backseat driver type. It's like, yeah, we got it. Like, you're not helping me out by giving me advice here. Uh, she's doing her best. Um, yeah, because Sokka's like, can't you heal him faster? Which is just kind of an annoying, rude thing to say. Yes. And then uh, Sokka's like, uh, oh, I can do it. And Katara's like, you can't heal him. Uh, but Sokka meant, like, he'll lead the invasion force. So, uh, yeah, he's going to lead the invasion force uh, with Hakoda's blessing. Uh, even Katara says that she's proud of him. Sokka goes off on Appa, uh, ready to attack. Sokka really goes into, like, official general mode here. He's like, look, we're going to make a wedge formation. We're going to go to the royal palace. And then he gets out his sword and he yells, charge! And I was like, dang, he's official. Yeah, I like this scene. I was pretty hyped up when Sokka like came in and just took charge and took control of the battle. I like this scene. This like was powerful stuff, I thought. Yeah, I very much agree. Uh, we then see Aang. Aang is flying around. He's made his way to the royal palace. Uh, he starts to get down to the building. Uh, and as he's getting there, he realizes something's a little bit off. Uh, no one is around. Uh, like literally zero people. Uh, the last time this happened, Sparky Sparky Boom Boom Man was right there to take them out. So I think uh, Aang is smart here to realize that something's probably up. Uh, but instead, he ju- or like 
despite this, he then still runs into the royal palace and he uh, announces that he's back. Uh, but then, since no one's there, he hits him with the "Hello, is anyone home?" It's <laughs> uh, a funny thing to yell in a royal palace where you're intending to kill their leader. <laughs> True, because <laughs> then he goes in, he's all hyped up. He's like, "The Avatar is back," and then he's just like, "Hello." Anybody home? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it's like a funny juxtaposition between those two lines. Yeah, we quickly cut back to uh, the rest of the group really battling their way up quite effectively. Uh, they're doing quite well with Sokka's new strategy. Uh, we get Tyro even yelling, the Fire Nation's falling back as they break through one of the walls. Uh, it seems like they're on their way to win. Uh, Bato even says they're on their way to victory. But we cut back to Aang. And we end with Aang yelling, uh, no, Fire Lord Ozai, where are you? Nice little Scooby-Doo reference. <laughs> I did not notice the Scooby-Doo reference, but I, you're right. I don't think it really was, but... Yeah. <laughs> I know, I know. Um, yeah, so, okay, that's the end of the episode. I have one important question for you, Zach. Sure. Why do they need the submarines and the invasion and everything else. Why can Aang not just fly in and attack the Fire Nation assassin spy-like? Why do they need any of this? Hmm. I guess because... Yeah, Cause that's, Aang, a, that's Like, Aang is able to make his way to the Royal Palace without them. So, like, all he has to do is make it to the Royal Palace at the time of the Eclipse. If he does that, they're home free. Yeah, yeah, that's true. You're right. I don't know why they need the whole invasion. But I guess, though, it's hard for Aang to, like, go all assassin stealth mode because he has to fly in the air and he will be seen flying into the air. So mm, so maybe it's like a distraction? Yeah, yeah. I think it is kind of like a distraction for Aang. Because then if the Fire Nation, like, hypothetically, if the Fire Nation did not know this was coming and they have a full-fledged invasion force attacking them, then it's, like, provides cover for Aang to glide in and kill the Fire Lord. All right. That's that's fair. Um, I can accept that answer, at least. Uh, okay. Well, I mean, that's the episode. That's, that's like, uh, what we have. You know, we even explained why they have an invasion. Uh, Zach, what were your thoughts on the episode overall? It was a fine episode. A lot of exposition for the next episode. And I think the next episode is ultimately stronger than this one. We have Zuko turning on Ozai. We have a lot of things culminating in that episode. So I think this episode was good, but not great, if that makes sense. What are your thoughts, Jacob? What about you? I'm going to give this episode a strong meh. Uh, (laughs) It does a lot of setup. It does a lot of things that are necessary, but they're not the most fun. Uh, the battle at the end just drags on. It takes so long. Um, there's lots of like individual moments that are fine, but like the thing as a whole ultimately is just like a long time. It's like the third act of any movie where the, the movie is just like a bunch of fighting. Uh, it's just kind of boring. Like I'm not really there for the fighting. I'm there for the characters. I'm there for the comedy. We don't get a ton of that. So I'm not super high on the episode. It's clearly a two part episode for a reason. This episode is directly in service of what we have next week. And next week, I'm super excited to talk about what we have. Uh, like, not only is it a great episode, but we'll have a great special guest. Uh, we'll have Professor Strunk on to talk with us uh, about the episode. So I'm very excited to see where that goes. But this episode was not really doing it for me. Yeah, yeah, that's fair. Fair criticisms of the episode. I think I'm a little bit higher higher on it than you are, but let's see. Let's get into our episode rankings right here. 
Well, I do have to give a bit of a disclaimer because some people rated the episode as one ranking for like part one and part two, and then some people split it out. The people who uh, like put both episodes, I think, I, I don't even think that we can like include their scores because if we do, it's just going to like skew the score way higher than it deserves. Do you want to? Do you want to? How about this? How about we both release a score for this episode and a score for both episodes combined? You want to do that? Sure. Yeah. So for um, both episodes combined, I'm giving it like a three point seven, but for this episode by itself, I'm going like three point two. Yeah, I mean, let's let's wait until next week to give our uh, combined score. But uh, yeah, three point two for this episode is like is fair. I think I'm lower. I think I'm at a two point nine. Uh, like as I was going through this episode, talking with you, like I was finding fun moments along the way, but. I just don't know if I can go much higher than that. So I think it's got to be a 2.9 for me, uh, only because it sets up the next episode so well. If it doesn't, this episode's honestly like a 2. Uh, like, it's not an episode that I particularly enjoyed watching, but because it does, like, necessary stuff, I'll give it some credit for next week. Uh, the listeners, which did distinguish their scores, and sorry again for not clarifying last week, uh, but the listeners who did distinguish their scores are at a 3.23. Uh, making this episode a 3.11. All right. Not bad. Not bad. And yeah, sorry. We should have clarified last week that we were doing this in two parts. Yep. Uh, makes sense. You know, that's just more avatar for us to talk about. So I think we'll continue doing this, breaking it up. Uh, well, we will have to talk about how we're doing the finale. Maybe we do that in two, uh, two episodes instead of four. Uh, just cause like a lot of it is like long fights, but we'll, we'll talk before we get there. Yeah. Um, anyway, battle of the battle rankings. Zach, where are you on the last half of the episode, the invasion? I'm going to give this a 3.1 out of 4. I mean, ultimately, it's pretty forgettable, but there are funny moments. Like, there's a moment we didn't talk about where the mechanist is riding along in a tank, and then the back half of his tank gets shot off, and he's just, like, still riding in, like, the front half. It's, like, a funny, like, Looney Tunes-esque moment. Yep. So, yeah, there's, like, some good moments in the fight. But overall, it's, like, ultimately pretty forgettable. Like, there's when I was watching this episode, again, for the first time in a while, I was like, there wasn't any parts of this fight that I specifically remembered. I thought the, the tanks were pretty cool, the, like, Caterpillar-esque tanks. The submarines, that was cool, the to- shooting torpedoes and stuff. But ultimately, there wasn't too much going on in this fight that was very memorable. No, that's that's very fair. I'm I'm giving it a three mainly because of the reasons that you were talking about. Like, yeah, uh, you know, not a ton happens, but it is a very inventive fight. A lot of cool things happen, uh, despite uh, it, like dragging on for a bit. So I think a three is fair. That leaves it at a three point zero five for the fight here. All right, um, and cool. I guess that's all for us, right? What else yeah. we got to do? No, go to bed is uh, is the answer. I think. <laughs> um, yeah, that's that is another late night record. I, I think that we stayed a little bit more on topic this time compared to our last late night record. I think that's probably true. Honestly, there you go. So we didn't have a five minute uh, discussion, discussion about berries. So <laughs> Zach, that was interesting. That was so good. The berry talk is what the berry talk was great. So you know what. Subscribe to my new podcast. It's called Berries and Sauce. It's where we talk about whether something is a berry and then talk about whether it'd make a good sauce or not. 
Yeah, while we're here, I'd like to apologize for something last week. Firstly, we didn't have a disclaimer for the cussing. That's our bad. We don't usually cuss on this podcast. At least Jacob doesn't. I cuss sometimes. So apologies for that. And I made a couple of off-color remarks about therapy. That's my bad. I mean, there's people who go to therapy and it really helps them. So apologies if I offended anybody with my comments last week. I was just making dumb jokes. I think therapy's fine. Ultimately, I have no issues with it. I was just being called like contrarian back last week. So yeah, a couple of apologies to get off my chest. Yeah. And uh, yeah, that's all for me for this episode. Yeah. Well, thank you so much for coming along the ride. Uh, yeah. Like, sorry again, uh, should have put the disclaimer out there, but we are so happy that people are coming along the ride, listening to us talk about avatar, uh, you know, for 50 something episodes. Now uh, we've been talking about it for quite a while. So it really is special that uh, people listen. Um, but yeah, uh, we will make sure we do better uh, on those warnings when applicable. Uh, anyway, that's all we have for you this week. Next week, we are back with a very special guest. I'm very excited to talk about it. An epic episode of the TV show Avatar. Uh, Zach, where can people keep up with you in anticipation for next week? People can keep up with me at ZachMohammed32 on Twitter. And where can they keep up with you, Jacob? People can find me on Twitter at JK Redman. You can also write into us at Avatar at Post Show Recaps. Is that correct? Very true. Uh, yep. You can write into us, Avatar at Post Show Recaps. Tweet us at postshowrecaps.com or really get in touch with us any other way. We absolutely love the feedback. Uh, that's all yep. we have for you this week. Uh, see ya. Peace out.